Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. What if your heart was not nearly as open as you think? What if most of what we call emotions are actually superficial downstream expressions of it? What if the way we relate to love as something you give or pour upon another is actually inaccurate? What if there were a way to open your heart so much that you could barely stand it for a while because that's how closed it currently is relatively to what it could be? Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome. This is for Stace and I, a kind of Thanksgiving episode. Uh, however, you will not hear it until the Friday after the Friday after Thanksgiving. So I hope you ate well and enjoyed yourself and hopefully spent time with people you actually like, as opposed to <laughs> as opposed yeah. to what many people... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say exactly that. I, I saw uh, there was a little blurb that uh, on the internet this morning as uh, at, for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, how, how, how can you talk to uncle Maga? Uh, oh yeah. At your, right. <laughs> at your thanks, Thanksgiving. It was just like a content expression of, yeah, yeah, I was just reflecting this morning and I, I think I can feel it. I of course, certainly could be imagining it, but I've become um, sensitive, not necessarily vulnerable to, which we'll talk about today, the bookmark there. I've become very sensitive to, it begins around November 15th and ends around January 15th. I call it the holidays with a D-A-Z-E. Nice. And I see it in the driving behavior. People start to seem bubbled off. And I feel a heaviness in the air that feels like those aprons they give you before an x-ray. There's this like weight. <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking today, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, how much time and the billions of dollars going into people traveling and going to places where they feel like they have to pretend to be someone other than who they are. And then after it's all over and they're getting on the plane or getting in the car, the relief of like, I made it, didn't get in the fight with uncle Mike about his Trump, about his voter record or, <laughs> or what. And just like, that's part of what I feel. There's this contraction of like, we have to become someone else to relax, to celebrate, to, connect and the the it's no accident of course that the darkest time of year is um where there's an energetic invitation to go inward it's like planting a bright light and a, having a party inside you know what should be a uh what do they call those uh those uh, uh chambers where you can't hear anything um oh anechoic uh uh they're uh, yeah, a yeah. sensory deprivation chamber. Yes. Yeah, where it's like oh, all those, about yeah. going inward and it's getting still and dark. And it's like, let's get drunk and have a party and buy lots of stuff instead. <laughs> says, uh, you know, the West. And yeah. Well, in, there's an additional uh, meta, more meta context for me that Thanksgiving, uh, which is was actually a prelude to a, um, a genocidal. Yeah. Uh, um, reactivity by white uh, the whites uh, in killing the Indians uh, off here in um, in America. So it's a farce in one way. Uh, the whole Thanksgiving thing, and if that wasn't enough in your holidays uh, continuity, 
that uh, December 25th as the birth of the Savior was not only stolen, uh, that date from uh, three or four other paradigms prior to the Jesus, right. uh, but that, that he wasn't born on 20, uh, December 25th. So the two holidays linked together into holidays uh, already uh, on the meta um, set us up to not be real because they're not real. And, and there's some link to that I was thinking oh, about yeah. this morning. You yeah, see what I mean? Sure. That's yeah, like uh, you say, even meta to that. It's, it, a, yeah. it's a paradigmatic construct that says you're <laughs> yeah. going to celebrate something that isn't real. Yes. So mm -hmm. what what can you do? What can you do with that other than meet the not realness <laughs> with your own not realness? Oh. Uh, yeah, and you know, it, it's tragic, but I chuckle um, because there's nothing to do about it. You've got to accept where people are and all that. And we, with this one wonderful and instead of either or, and we can be chagrined uh, by uh, the entire spectacle. Uh, yeah. well. Especially given it's not uncommon knowledge anymore with the internet and everything, how, how much of the Jesus story was stolen from uh, paganism yeah. and Egyptian mythology. And I think there's one other as well. Yes, one other, right. <laughs> but there's, it's just like that's out there, but it just doesn't touch. No. It just doesn't. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then Christianity yeah. goes on. And yes. There's not like an unraveling. No, the, we, Christians just don't have room for doubt. Um, mm -hmm. So their dogma is the dogma. And uh, as we used to say in the 60s, boomers style, uh, uh, their karma will run over their dogma uh, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that was the Grateful Dead uh, used that. Uh, my your, my karma is going to run over your dogma. Yeah, yeah, it cool. yeah, sounds like that. I was yeah. just talking to a, a client earlier today, and um, uh, as a service to his evolution, helping him to see that the exoteric form of Buddhism that he was practicing was not going to lean him further into what his issues really are and what will help. It will take him further out of humanity. And um, and it was it was tough because at a certain moment I'm explaining the difference between esoteric Zen and exoteric Buddhism and how the hippies brought it in. And at a certain point, he's like, "You're always saying that your way is the realist way," and I just like it sort of ground me to a halt. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like, and it's not my way. I wanted to say like a Zen master would say the same thing about exoteric Buddhism. I'm it's not like I'm yeah. the only person who says this, right. but like <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I get to the heart of things and I cut away the bullshit and like, that's like what yeah. you want. Right. But it was a little, I don't know, it's sort of embarrassing. It sort of felt like a light was on me for a second. That was like, yeah, I do kind of always do that. And that's who I am and sorry. And like, do you want uh, that? Like, what do you say? Well, when uh, when in my embracing of this conundrum, exactly yeah. as you describe it over, I the know years, you know I it always, better than I do, and longer. Well, I, I, the only way I've I've known how to do it with some manner of grace is, um, yeah, it, it's the way that um, I orient until proven otherwise. It, I don't ask anyone to believe it. If yeah, I yeah, add yeah. the I don't ask anyone to believe it, then I'm not e e um, equivocating uh, and not uh, uh, being the um, dogmatic uh, ah. um, uh, absolutist. As uh, I didn't even pick up you. that there was a air of absolutism uh, accusation in there. Yeah, I didn't even pick that up. Otherwise, yeah. I would have been able to respond to that. But yeah, sure. But, um, 
yeah, your way is the right way. It's like, uh, oh. I mean, That's this is right, after yeah. he goes, all of what you says makes perfect sense, and I'll try it. And it's like, but this sort of frustration. How come you're always ruining everything? You know, when you create this hashtag of Joseph ruins everything, like give me 30 seconds with your paradigm and um, maybe make a game out of it. Many years ago, uh, I went to a, de a dentist, a uh, woman dentist, and I got to know her fairly well uh, outside of the chair. And uh, at one point, uh, she, after several conversations, she sent me a um, a far. What was it called? The far, far side. The, Gary the far side. Far side. Yeah. Yeah. She sent a a, um, a, a, a one panel a far side, and on it was a woman shaking, and her hair was crazy, and 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 I have to I have to um, spiffball this, but it was the message was, and all of what I held dear is fire is is discern is de descending into ash you know yeah. uh because of exactly this issue here of when we reasonably heartful heartfully and logically um per, unfold our picture of things that that undermines scares and threatens a lot of people they they even when they're clear <laughs> everything you say makes perfect sense uh but well only your way is the way right wait mm -hmm. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah so it's tricky stuff. It's tricky stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's very unfortunate, but like I told them, it's like any Zen Buddhist would have plenty of yeah. plenty to say about Buddhism as well. And um, yes, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's sad. So what we're talking about today on this is the, I'm pretty sure our last realization in a series of 18 or 19 is uh, a, a one I admit is not very well worded, but we're going to go with it anyway that your heart is almost entirely closed compared to how open it could be. Yes. Um, this, this is a, how tough it is to get people to um, feel this truth. Mm -hmm. um, we, we'll, we'll try putting some words around it today um, because it, it is paradigm shattering the way we look at um, what a, an open heart actually means. So we start the story um, at the beginning, as uh, we always should, that um, your childhood, unless you had just about perfectly emotively mature parenting by emotively mature parents who felt what you were feeling while you were feeling it and while you were feeling it in childhood, your heart closed. Uh, all of our hearts close for that for the lack of that bandwidth of that soulful bandwidth uh, of love that we need when we're children, because children process moment to moment reality emotively, not not energetically and not uh, mentally. Parents forget this in their coochie coo. Uh, look at him; he's following my finger. Look, or uh, she, um, they forget. Which, which, by the way, I mean that's something to insert right there, like how much the parents make the interaction with the child about them and their own entertainment yes. because the infant can't speak. So mm -hmm. they don't know how to relate to just a being yes. and they can't mm -hmm. let them in. And right. like, I remember like to just after a few years, maybe even less two years of, of EBE um, way back when I remember experiencing infants in a completely different way um, yeah. because they just wash over you. The love that yeah. they are just washes over you. <laughs> yes. And that was not something I experienced at all before doing EBE. And then you see yeah. people 
trying to like get a reaction from them and they're not right. feeling the, the right. infant at all. And right. that's really intense. It is. And, and, and that way that that's why it's so problematic uh, for mothers, let's say, because they bake the child in their belly uh, there for those nine or nine or so months. And, uh, and for, unless a mother, a woman has become a model of emotively mature herself before having that child, she is going to experience a love is going to be induced out of her toward the child because the child is nothing but love, love in that moment. That's all they're exuding in their being, mm -hmm. right? And that's going to, for many, many women, a majority, I would, in my experience over a long life, this is the most intense form of love they have ever felt. Yeah. And so attachment to what a mother, an adult mother who has been emotionally starved and not realize, conditioned out of realizing and feeling how starved she is, is going to be so um, reaching over and trying to sustain herself with that child more so than men because of her yin being of absorptivity uh, yeah. in that way. And that's the tragedy of all. So, you know, you're exactly right. When, when the mama or papa waves their finger and wants the eyes to follow the finger, they're wanting them to relate to them according to the needs of the parents. Look, see me, see me. Instead yeah. of the child is going, me, ah, uh, ah, uh, I'm yeah. all there. And, uh, and, I, and I knew a, um, I did a little work years ago with a, uh, it was a rebirthing type um, paradigm. And um, she talked in the beginning of the whole thing, how um, exactly about that, how uh, an infant can't say stop uh, or walk away, all they can do is break eye contact and turn their head. And she was talking right. about how parents will just move the object, move the finger or the toy back into the field of view of the kid and yeah. how invasive that is because yeah. the kid can't take a break from the stimuli. And again, yeah. it's energetic, emoto energetically all about the parents. And yes. like, there's no appreciation of that, that. That's actually wounding that infant. Yeah right there yeah. that's where it begins where the, the the parents are more involved with their reaction to the baby than the baby and that closes them off it literally closes them off and the child over time uh, i've never seen an exception in all the inner work uh, that i've done with people and with in myself i've never seen an exception that that the child has to block the, its heart of pure being in order to survive and match bandwidths as best they can to get some sort of nourishing uh, uh, um, uh, transaction happen with the with the parents, mm -hmm. so right from the get go, I've never seen an exception that um, the armor has already covered the child's fourth chakra uh, most of the time by the end of the third year, uh, and some some in the womb even when there's a uh, a mm -hmm. mother who doesn't want the child and the child's remember that child has been born before has a huge soul history has cognition has a mental body of its own has a, a soul of its own and will absorb the mother's uh, ambivalence or denial or overreaching in the mm -hmm. womb and so already the child is preset to uh, cover their heart because all of those uh, uh, orientations other than calm acceptance of the gift of a child that's yeah. the only exception 
that will not that will not support an armoring in the womb. But that's the only situation that won't. Yeah, I want to go one more layer with the the teacher I was talking about because it's like, of course, visually seeing, oh, my baby is turning their head away. Maybe they're overstimulated. That's of course, you know, already in the top one percent of the world. Yes. But we would say uh, a parent with an open heart doesn't need that because they can just feel it. They can right. just feel it. And their very way of being with the child is right. they're feeling the level of stimulation or overstimulation or whatever with that infant in every moment. They don't need to wait until there's a physical cue. Yes. And that's the kind of standard we're talking about where the inner reality of the infant yeah. is just registering in real time yes. to the parent. And who can say they had that? Yes, and and that 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 can be tra transmitted uh, with the parent or um, transacted with the parent and the child silently, mm -hmm. or with noises. Uh, uh, the issue is not what you say, but the bandwidth with which those words or sounds come out of you. Uh, if that bandwidth is about you, the parent, uh, then it's not going to register and it's going to create dissonance. But if it's about you experiencing the child, well, who look at you? Look mm -hmm. at you. I can hardly bear how much what, what you are. I can't. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that all that is reasonable or just just dead silence of drinking in and trying to match the child's uh, bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Only when the parent can consciously, consciously uh, 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 really provide the bandwidth meet the child where it, the child is, are they going to not be uh, injured <laughs> by uh, overstimulation or understimulation? Right? Yeah, it's staggering to consider just how many times in the world today that that kind of catastrophic collision will happen when it's just like, you know, like I said, even after just a couple of years, maybe even several months of EBE these days, yeah, it just becomes, it, it becomes experienceable that like in a room full of people, the babies are just emanating love and 99% of people are just somehow completely missing it. And I yeah. remember what that was like. I used to hate babies. <laughs> so I, that was probably, want, probably why, because it was so much love that why. I couldn't digest. Sure. I, I once uh, walked through a nursery in a hospital uh, and uh, as part of the inside, inside the nursery, not behind the window like parents are mm -hmm. and it was overwhelming uh, walking mm -hmm. by there's like two dozen uh, babies a dozen two dozen and they're all uh, in some mode even if they're crying they're all so purely being yeah. uh, that it's overwhelming if your heart's tuned to those frequencies yeah they're just they're just pure soul i mean not pure but it's still being filtered through their their uh, their body field but uh, wow yeah, as pure as human beings typically get. Yes, um, and 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 that's also important here. A little uh, a rabbit hole to acknowledge is that for identity, part of what enters the conversation today about the heart being open or closed is uh, that um, it's important to note here is that to reiterate that for us the physical body of of, of, a, of a human being is an extension in flesh of the soul it's not the bot the soul is not inside the body in some mysterious place in the hara or in the third eye or wherever um, with the the body is inside the soul and and just to reiterate what we said many times 
Uh, the body is all soul, but the soul is not all body. So that's why in a little soul, a little being where there's less flesh gravitationally bone, blood, blood, bone, and muscle, um, you've got more soul uh, in that way. And the more the, uh, the body develops, the more the body version of the soul, the physical version of the soul takes, takes precedence or, takes, uh, or uh, unfolds into the soul field. So in that sense, that's why what we're what we just talked about with, with children is so important that their soul is so patent in that in those early uh, years, the first year of life, and where if there's anything untoward, I mean, not just you know um, overstimulation, but but how often children are abused, uh, infants are abused yeah. by. Uh, by literally da damaged adults, where there's any, especially for um, uh, where there's any genital touching inappropriate or, or penetration, it, uh, it is the worst, it's the worst kind of damage done to that little soulful child, because they don't have an eye yet. As we say so often, they don't have the experience of being abused as an infant, they become the experience of abuse is an infant. And that becomes part and parcel of literally the marrow of their humanness. Because they, whereas if it happens at five or six or four or five, there's just enough eye where the child will have an experience. And healing, having an experience, healing an experience, experienced by the eye is a lot easier than trying to heal an experience that, uh, the, uh, an abuse that is experienced. Yeah, it's like a um, splinter that goes skin uh, deep rather than, you know, needing surgery exactly. to get out. Exactly right. So that's just part of why we say um, uh, in the absence of this, what we just called an idealized uh, way a parent could be with a child, which requires a mode of maturity. I love what you said. The, the parent would pick up, doesn't need uh, uh, ESP, they'd mm -hmm. feel it in their heart field mm -hmm. when the child is being overstimulated because they're so in tune with the child. That's what is missing with no blame of parents because they haven't, no one's ever educated them to what real parenting involves. Yeah. Uh, we're, not, we're not blaming parents, we're blaming paradigms of parenting, mm -hmm. a, a key yeah. issue here. So in our in our topic for today, that's where it all begins. Um, and so as we develop as children and become uh, go to school and get socialized, uh, you may have a lot of sensitivity as the person that you're slowly becoming as a child. But the key V word here of vulnerability is the uh, issue at hand. Our definition of vulnerability, which heart heart opens sort of a synonymizes <laughs> with, nice. uh, I love that um, is a very different uh, uh, state of being than what is out there for an open heart. Come on, open up, let me in. Okay, those are straightforward words, let's say between adults, let me in, let me in You're, you're I can't feel you connected to me. Why, why, uh, what, what's going on there? Uh, you can't it can't be done by an act of will uh, open mm -hmm. up open your heart uh, we talk a lot about cat stevens uh, song lyrics you know uh, mm -hmm. uh, about uh, the doors opening from the side you're on we used to do remember joseph in the, in the uh, back in the day um, i would have people hug each other normally uh, 
people who knew each other or even if they didn't in a seminar they would hug each other and then i would uh, ask uh, one uh, to, to to do trade-offs have the one person do this even energetically with their heart field that's uh, opening inward remember audio only people oh yes sorry inward, sorry right yeah uh, opening inward um the without without uh, being expecting any difference, the person who they're hugging then says, "Oh wow, I can really feel love coming from you." It's not coming from love being poured at you. It's come. It's love that you can feel when they open your heart, even energetically. Yeah, and so and that's a far cry from being hugged and having somebody slap several times the back of your fourth chakra. Which, when that happens, I feel it. I swear for like an hour, I'm still shaking it off. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, the classic uh, man hug. You know, yeah, Remember I'm hugging you, but I'm hitting you too. I'm hitting you. Yeah. I'm still hitting you. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the in Love Actually, the 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 goofy rock guy and his manager. oh yeah yeah bah, 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 bah. awkward patting. Yeah. yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, so let's make that distinction right here, Joseph, the difference between energetically opening your heart and emotively opening mm. your heart. Energetically opening your heart, you can willfully sort of intuit how to do that energetically, and it's better than not, for sure. Mm. But uh, that is not the transactional uh, window that EBE and identity uh, is aiming for. Because that can be done by an act of will. Intuitive intuition goes in with it, of course. But we're talking about an entirely different way that has to heal unconscious armoring that 99% of people aren't aware is there as a felt thing. So mostly what passes for opening your heart is an energetic form of letting someone in, quote unquote. And we're talking about an entirely different animal here that's very hard to put words to. Um, it's a yinifying thing that in a yang-based society that where expression and words and 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 mind and 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 speaking uh, fill up all the silence and fill up all the space, the, they're penetrating the yin um, silence and stillness that the heart operates on. And then with the the parents and relationship to the infant, you know, there's the expressions of love are not typically a receiving of the beingness of the infant. It's smothering, energetic, like going at, here's this, oh, I love you so much. I want to eat you, all that kind of, it's all this mm -hmm. energetic going at the infant, which is just overwhelming when actually the love that it is just needs to be received. And that's actually what gives the infant the experience of love landing in that way. Yes. So being let in, not being yes. having something poured on it. Yeah, we um, exactly right. I, I love the way you put that because uh, a child may uh, giggle while the mama or papa is doing that overdoing, you know, it's like when people talk to their pets, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, and they talk to the children, they're like their children. Who's a good boy today? <laughs> Who's a good girl? You know, oh my God. I, I have to hold, I have to hold back uh, the bile rising in my esophagus. Uh, so now when you're doing it to your child and you're laughing and look at you, Oh my God, I love you so much. I could eat you. Like yeah. you said, They'll pick up your mo your intention, 
and might giggle along with you because they're just share they're just mirroring back to you and you think that they're they're you're entertaining them yeah. but they they're just really matching you they can't do anything else they're trapped and yeah, so on they, the outside they're matching on the inside something is slowly dying and being hidden away yes um, it's being pulled back because Nobody really communicates to parents to be. I, I wish we had an identity Lamaze uh, mm. um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, track where we could really help them get that babies process reality than you do differently, yeah. and that they're never that the repercussions of that go so deep. Uh, yeah. It, it, that it's not attended to more directly uh, in Lamaze, for example, when you have both parents there and you're trying to, you know, uh, get the uh, preparation for the birth. It's just a tragedy. And so yeah, I we're see talking this all the time in, in public. I think I've said this before. It's a fun thing for me to do is to get babies to stop crying just by, I was going to say looking at them, but actually it's letting them land in me is what does it. But if this happens right. all the time, like I'll be you know, at a lunch place outside, like outside Whole Foods, and there's like 40 people around and a baby will just, you know, look my way and I feel it go into me and the baby's yeah. just transfixed, like, yes. because it, it hasn't felt that, I don't know, right. maybe ever, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And what blows my mind is, you know, the, I'll be locked eyes with the baby for sometimes minutes and the parent yeah. who's holding the baby doesn't even notice that that's happening. Yes. Like, come on. Oh, Joseph. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying has happened to me countless times. I believe you. Uh, where the parent will be talking to another adult. Yeah. They're in a they're in a little carriage or um, even a stroller. Yeah. And I'm walking by and I register the baby. The baby registers that I register and that they and I slow down and I stay in contact and their eyes follow me all mm -hmm. the way. And then even I, I look back and the baby's still turning to try to mm -hmm. see me. Yeah. Uh, because that's a for that's what they need, but the parents don't know how to uh, provide it. Yeah, and it's like to think, hey, your you know your baby is having this incredibly profound, intimate moment with a total stranger, and you're not even noticing. Like, there's something inherently seems a little screwed up about that, but uh, it's understandable. You could you could say, you could <laughs> say that it doubles the irony or the tragedy of yeah. it. Uh, and so it's this kind of milieu, emoto, um, emotive milieu. So, so let's talk about the difference between energy and emotion here really quickly. The, the child uh, is, is, is coming from soul, uh, abiding as a soul, and that is an emotive-based bandwidth, which is the bandwidth out of which energy emerges when expressed. But emotivity is still full. It's yin. It's pure yin. It's a capacity to love and be loved. That's what um, emotivity is, a capacity to love and be loved. Uh, two different vectors, but identically um, linked by emotivity. Only when we outwardly express through gesture, um, words, um, uh, uh, touch whatever uh, does it does the emotivity become energized and that that difference is not out there in any paradigm that i've ever found and believe me i've looked over a long life the difference between emotivity and energy because right now we're living especially in an informational age 
and quantum physics, quantum entanglement and quantum uh, uh, oh, unpredictability, yeah. everything down, if you re, it's all reductionistic, everything is energetic in a reductionistic way. Yeah. Uh, and they, and that they don't realize that that is a scientific paradigm, which does not usually Einstein excluded uh, have a mystical dimension to it, that there might be something other to human consciousness than just uh, ones and zeros or uh, quantum quantum uh, particles or non-particles. So it's really uh, interesting the, the reductionism to energy, which of course is all over new age spirituality as well. It's just like, that's the highest and most sophisticated form that a protector could come up with. It's like <laughs> yes. we, the protector can, literally cannot operate with or at the level of emotivity. So it can reduce as, as far down as it can get is to the pure energy and will like just after it leaves emotivity land. And then that yes. becomes what everything is made of. It's sort of like, how yeah. a fish could only conceive of, you know, the water parts of the earth and the land and the beaches maybe, but, you know, places where that's totally dry, where there's no water. It's like that. No, that doesn't exist. That's, that that's wouldn't even nice metaphor. Exactly right. And that and that what when, when we're talking about energized emotivity, that's where we call those feelings. It's really important distinction in our paradigm, the difference between feelings and emotivity, which mainstream and even some esoteric forms of, uh, of psychotherapy don't make that distinction. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. So the difference between feelings and emotion, uh, uh, feelings are dramatic, they're energetically um, expressive, um, they can make a person like myself, who is a four, uh, look like I'm very emotional. Well, I may be emotional, but I'm not emotivated in those moments. Oh, nice, uh, emotivated. Uh, mm -hmm. Emotivated. Uh, it's uh, uh, a four will will um, use feelings to to express emotions. We could say emotivity is the capacity to love and be loved. Emotions are discrete forms of emotivity on their way to feelings. So they're in this gray zone between the pure emotivity and feelings that are being expressed. And so fours, uh, and because we're all wounded by what we just described in childhood, all of us, um, fours are especially used drama and over emoting to transmit some sort of connectivity to the other or to the world as I And then of course yeah. those fours are the artists in our world who define yes. for us <laughs> yes. what emotion is. <laughs> yes. Passion. Passion, know, emotion, passion. melancholy, right. all of that. And we go, oh, and then the yeah. protectors and everyone else goes, oh, that's what emotion is. Yes, I can vibe with that. And then yeah. everybody shakes hands and nobody gets to emotional, emotive layers. And of course we could talk mm -hmm. a lot about you know, this and victimhood versus hurt and depression versus grief and rage versus anger and uh, uh, guilt versus shame, all of these things. But in the end, it's just a feeling. You have to be able to feel the difference between that the, the energetic um, form. And I, I was just talking earlier, uh, something I learned from um, your wife, Bree. Um, I remember when I was doing anger work with her, she would have me, you know, whatever the trigger was for rage slash anger, um, I would write 
with a fist and let it come yeah. out. And then we would go through it word by word, line by line. And she would help, help me find what the difference between rage and anger was. How did she yeah. do that? By what she could feel because anger yes. feels yeah. different than rage does. Yes. And um, how you guys came up with that is a whole other story, but <laughs> it may be an interesting yeah. rabbit hole. But the point is, it's like the only way to discern the difference between um, energy and emotivity is to sort it out in yourself and then you become sensitive, yeah. sensitive to it everywhere. Yeah, and you, you need a guide for that. Yeah. And here and here's where I keep looking for a different F word and I have not been able to find it in a long in a long life. Instead of feeling. Yeah. We 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 can feel the difference between feelings and emotivity. Yeah, I know. So it's it, it's, it's horrible. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to play with a lot of comical floop, you know, you floop or something, uh, the difference between um, uh, emotivity and feeling, but we feel we can feel the difference between feelings and emotivity. So it becomes in English anyway, pretty difficult uh, yeah. to make that distinction. So it's, it can be tricky. But that you're exactly right. Uh, uh, EBE does what the miraculous kinds of things it does because it helps you sort out the difference between uh, emotivity, emotives reality, uh, and emotional reality and feeling reality. There's three layers to it. Again, emotivity is the capacity to have discrete emotions. And once those emotions are expressible, they become feelings. So unless someone walks you down, literally uh, uh, syncopates you down into the feeling of the difference, we are not conditioned by any psychology or philosophy of psychology of that distinction ability. And there's an essence form expression here uh, yes. saying, right? Mm -hmm. I can't Absolutely. remember. Have we, ever, have we talked about that essence form expression triad? I think here and there. Actually, never as its own topic. Um, yeah, uh, there's lots of wonderful. Time. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, we'll yeah. save it for then. But um, the triad of the structure of everything, <laughs> of everything. The metaphysics of metaphysics <laughs> the, themselves. Yes. The metaphysics. Oh, well, nicely put. I'd not thought of it that I, way. Oh, I think you said that years ago. I got that from. Did you. I? Yeah. Metaphysics of metaphysics is essence, form, expression. And we can use all sorts of um, of uh, 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 put slot uh, words in in those slots. Uh, um, we can do well, a formal treatment of that next time. But suffice it to yeah. say, for now, yeah. that right. emotivity is at the level of essence. Then yes. um, it then next expresses as emotion, and then uh, that would yes. be the form takes the form of emotion, and then in expression is the energetic and. That's the tip of the iceberg thing, and we, we the we 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 live in sort of an economy that mm -hmm. uh, is uses the currency of energetic feelings, yes. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. and uh, that and it's, it, uh, something I've been talking a lot about recently. It's completely reasonable why we think there's such a thing as a negative emotion, yeah, because mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. difficult, energetic downstream feelings gets you nowhere. And the protector in us gets this, like yeah. mm -hmm. feeling stewing in depression for days, months, and years doesn't get anywhere. Well, I guess it's bad then. Yes. Let's mm -hmm. get rid of it. And the, yes. the, what's true about that is it's completely right. There's nothing productive about that unless you use it as an entree to get to the yes. deeper emotion, which can then right. be digested. So that's why um, people yeah. think there's such a thing as a negative emotion. And that's important. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it leads right to a, a, a corollary or a, actually a parallel dynamic in psychology is because they never made, because of the philosophy of psychology never made the distinction of the essence of emotivity, the um, form of emotion and the expression of feeling, they will always hit a predictable dead end to therapy. Um, yep. or some Peter principle or ceiling, which is why over the last 10 or 20 years, psychology has um, uh, taken way more a practical kind of uh, tracks. What works? Because it doesn't, there's a, there's a Peter principle to every psychological and psychiatric paradigm out there that doesn't make those distinctions. And so they've got a sort of default to, well, what, what works for this person? Maybe mantras work for this person, or, or, or maybe writing down your dreams uh, works for this person. Uh, they can't unravel the tightly wound uh, uh, emotive nexus of our protectors, which started forming, as we just said, in infancy, um, where your heart is not as open as you believe it is. So not having the codes to decode uh, the, the heart, uh, of soul uh, in human beings um, uh, will create a ceiling in anything that psychology or the philosophy of psychology could ever provide. So they'll go practical, they'll default to practical, and that's where they've gone away from analysis um, because it hit, its, it hit its predictable dead end or shelf life, and it, they can't go any deeper without a deeper decoding of what's actually going on in the emotive domain. And it's also heavily subjectivized as well. Like, hey, everybody sure. relates to emotions in different ways. And, you know, not everybody yeah. is going to go as right. deep as the next person. And like, yes, there's truth to that. But, you know, um, identity offers an objective uh, architecture of the emotional body and um, swings quite away from that subjectivism and says, like, there's a way the heart is supposed to operate. Like, back to what we were saying um, yeah. you know, I'll say when I'm explaining this to people, sometimes like if I pinch my cheek and you were feeling what I was feeling physically, you would feel that on your face. And yes. that's not how the physical body is designed, but right. it is how the heart works. Yeah. So like, the emotional body, the emotional is body, yeah. right. Yeah. It's yeah, like, exactly. that's how it's supposed to be that human beings yeah. can do this for each other. And it just naturally happens, especially with um, parents and children. But yeah. I mean, if you think about it that way, like the absurdity of like you can imagine like if i pinch my cheek someone else could imagine what that feels like but to actually feel it as if it's happening to them yes and um you know there are certain people like uh enneagram nines um will do this kind of intuitively sometimes um it's it's more on an energetic energetic level but with like nines they'll typically get confused they don't know whether they're feeling what they're feeling or what they're whether they're feeling what the other person is feeling, yes, which means right. they're not really feeling what the other person is feeling because they're not home. Yes. The nine is gone. <laughs> That's right. They've, That's right. They've just joined mm -hmm. into this cloud that is in between them, which is better than not feeling anything at all, but not sure. sufficient. And a lot of therapists are Enneagram twos or nines who can um, mm -hmm. feelingly at the energetic level or, and, or intuit or merge in a way that can give the person and an approximation of being felt, but it's not really like emotive, like we're talking about. Yeah, and it's also, uh, there's a there's a tie in here to postmodern philosophy too. Mm. Um, postmodern philosophy has uh, 
has is hit, has been hitting its dead end for about 50, 80 years now um, in, in identities uh, assessment anyway, because what you've got, if you really boil it down, sometimes you have to read between the lines of philosophical writing um, and what, awesome. what what's actually going on when a, in a philosopher's teaching or whatever, is that uh, there's been a definitive evolution toward the uh, in philosophy that believes origination bandwidths of consciousness are in, are inaccessible. Uh, that that there is a uh, that's what really flavors postmodern philosophy a lot, which is why it's been reductionistic to the practical also in philosophy uh, rather than in the white in the ivory tower, uh, because intuiting era intuiting origin originations have to be intuited uh, and felt. And that's beyond the ken, as we say, of the mental body dominated philosophical mind. What? This connects to sometime in the last couple of months, we talked about existentialism versus essentialism, right? Yes. It's, uh -huh, it's a continuing right. swing away from essentialism. Yes. Uh, like, well, we can't really know what is on right. the other side and who gives a shit because we can't really know. Right. And when we're talking about essence, form, and expression, what's mm -hmm. happened is we've been conditioned as a, as a world uh, community in the collective, uh, even if you've never read a philosophical treatise before, where we've been conditioned that um, the essence is, uh, is if it's not findable by the mind and descriptive and proven, uh, you can't, it's a cloud. It's like the quantum level of, in the metaphor of thinking is you can't get at the quantum root of a thought uh, uh, or of a, in a philosophical sense. So, this is oh, why hence the, there's no free will thing is a very yes, oh, idea, the, right? exactly right. Um, like we talked last time or time before. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it ties to um, so many of our hidden kinds of limitations of human consciousness that aren't liberatable until we get to the essence triad of emotivity. For example, um, the core emotives uh, that come directly out of the soul of which and then they, they prism pri they prism out through experience to emotions that then prism out to feelings and there's a whole array but um the co three core emotives in that we talk about is our joy sorrow and compassion um, those are the kinds of things that an, an emotively mature adult will begin to share with a child early on if they're because they're tuned in they will really just experience, try to join the child where the child is joyful, uh, 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 sorrowful, which in their case would be uncomfortable, um, not feeling uh, resonant uh, with their bodies or the situation at the moment. You mean, um, Mr. Baron, that we do not have to cultivate and practice compassion for other beings? Oh my God, do many peoples are taught this nonsense. It's bullshit. It's true yeah. bullshit. Uh, you cannot cultivate compassion. It is accessible in our core being. And so that what that means is a whole other rabbit hole that the, the, the practice of gratitude, the cultivation <laughs> of compassion, any mind-mediated uh, intentional practice to do this not only won't get you to soul level um, emotivity, but very likely will be working against it. Yes, and it'll obfuscate. Yeah, it'll obfuscate. Uh, 
and, and it's important to note, as we've said throughout these series of 81 podcasts, um, it's just amazing to me that we have that many. Uh, <laughs> and many it, more to come. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I'm cultivating, right? Yeah. We were talking about cultivating. Oh, yeah. Well, it's important to always remind ourselves that what 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 we're critiquing here, not criticizing, critiquing the metaphysics of um, uh, what, the way the world has been set up by the majority of people's consciousness, it works for a lot of people to cultivate mm -hmm. compassion. These are beginning kinds of things that um, uh, lifetimes where you, you have only maybe 100 to 200 lifetimes, and you're just learning about the how complex the inner world is configured. Uh, because uh, that's about between 100 and 200 lifetimes. So uh, most of the world's um, services to growth and change are tuned to middle-aged souls between 100 and 200, uh, 250 maybe lifetimes. And what we're talking about here are really just not realizable to middle-aged souls. They're only yeah. realizable to older souls who are not any better than, than middle-aged souls or younger souls just have a different set of capacities and needs yeah, to be served. It's, it, it, it's a weird um, comparison, but it makes me think of the card game Bridge, um, huh. which I got really into during my college years. And uh, once you learn Bridge, every other card game looks completely stupid mm -hmm. because bridge, there's no luck in Bridge. It's literally all strategy. And so... It's like, you know, when we didn't have enough to play bridge and we would play hearts because it's way easier to learn and bridge is as sophisticated as chess almost. And um, so you could play hearts, but there was always this sense of like, yeah, this isn't, it doesn't engage all of you, you know, yeah, and um, right. because there's, there's just no luck in it. You can defend or you can, or, or offend on offense, any hand, it doesn't matter what you have. And there's just of relishing of that sophistication. And that's why bridge players are just fanatical about the game because it's on a yeah. whole other level. And you literally have to read a book to really learn yeah. how to play bridge or else you, yeah. you're not going to be doing it right. And not everybody wants to have to read a book to learn how to play a card game. They want to yes. learn the rules in 30 seconds and enjoy themselves. And that's totally fine. And mm -hmm. you will never understand the sophisticated world of bridge and just how awesome it is. And both can be true. Yes, an and equally true. Uh, a, a even simpler metaphor is um, uh, middle-aged souls, uh, younger souls and middle-aged souls uh, may love checkers. Um, but uh, chess is a, another whole uh, dynamical bandwidth. Uh, and so the checkers isn't worse than, um, it's just that uh, more sophisticated consciousnesses need more sophisticated algorithms of growth and change. And as I said so many times in this series, I one of the reasons I was conscious of in bringing identity to uh, to its uh, in its essence, form, and expressions um, was to serve an underserved demographic of consciousness, and that is older souls. More than three hundred uh, lifetimes, you will not uh, older between three hundred and four hundred lifetimes. Maximum is those approaching five hundred uh, lifetimes in this last hundred and thirty thousand years. Um, those uh, those folks need uh, older souls need something different than just uh, Tony Robbins or Tom Cruise uh, or Scientology or will based uh, self empowerment or feeling based uh, growth and change. So we're, 
and this is not elitist. It's uh, anymore that we said so many times, it's not elitist what um, to say that a high school senior has a certain capacity for um, trigonometry, um, say that an eighth grader or the average eighth grader uh, doesn't have um, or calculus. So nothing's better than anything else, but we serve different dimensions and demographics of consciousness here which is why our conversation today about the difference between emotives, uh, uh, core emotives, emotions, and discrete emotions and feelings is so critical to serve all older souls needs uh, for growth and change. I guess so, I, I, it just hit me to go back to um, vulnerability and sensitivity. I, I wanted to say something about the uh, the woke left on that subject. Oh, oh please do. Oh, I love this <laughs> yes. rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the, um, it's, it's well, I don't know where to start with that. The, oh, I want to say 20, 25 things at once. The, what's good is that, um, especially since 2012, emotion and feelings both are less repressible and people yes. are honoring them. And that's terrific. Mm -hmm. What's not good is when it stays at the level of superficial, energetic feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we see. That's what the woke left is is doing. It's saying my feelings matter, and they these feelings should very much matter to you too. Yes, and right. you should feel the same way as I do. And like, yes. whoa, whoa, wait a minute! You can have all right. the you want to identify as a toaster. You can do that, but sure. I shouldn't have to. You know, but if you get mad if I call you the wrong pronoun, you've right. got another layer down to go in there. And the, the, yeah. the, the problem is that if 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 superficial energetic feelings are strongly felt and it doesn't go to the next level down, it turns into um, demanding indulgence. And that's yes. what we see on the left yeah. that has taken basically feeling to its logical extreme, not emotion to its logical extreme, but feeling. Exactly. Oh, well, really well said. Peter Principle right there yeah, for everyone yeah. to see hiding in plain sight. I, I'm using the word awokened. Uh, awoken. recently. Yes, I saw that in that piece. <laughs> To, to I saw describe. I saw a video. I forget who it, it was. A uh, Charlie Kirk, I believe, um, mm -hmm. is the guy. He's like a Ben Shapiro type guy, and it was a trans woman at an event who was making the argument. I wish I had it written down. Was making the argument. Um, basically, I can be a woman, even though I can't get pregnant, because there are plenty of women who can't get pregnant. That was oh. her. That was her argument. Basically, the, the you know trying to argue around the biological organ-based you know objective difference between men and women, that was her logic. Well, there are women who can't get pregnant, and so even though I was biologically born a man and I can't get pregnant, I can be just as much a woman as a woman who was born biologically woman and get pregnant. And the look on poor Charlie Kirk's face it was like. He was like, oh, my God, am I really going to have to come up with an argument about that? And he did. It was great. He's like, you know, we, I would say humans all have two legs. But if one was born without the two legs, we would still say they were human. You know, like, oh, it's just like yeah, that's that's called domain confusion. Yeah. Uh, and just using words to create uh, solipsisms that actually don't apply to the real world. Yeah. Uh, and, and this horribly faulty argument. Um, which was just total collapse of critical thinking, you could just see on her face um, was just driven by a feeling. 
Yes. Not an emotion, but the feeling right. of I feel a certain way and I want to identify right. as a certain way and right. which are all fine. But then the problem is, and you should dot, dot, dot. Yes. Also. You should feel right. the way I feel, which is just like, if there isn't a more direct projection from I needed to be felt as a child, I don't know yes. what is like, you should feel the same way and honor my yes. feelings and believe what I believe, et cetera. That's, that's a child talking, mommy, daddy, please honor what I am as a child being and don't project on me what you need me to be. That's, uh, that's right, right out of that. You know, I used to um, uh, work with um, uh, uh, a lot of overweight women and uh, their most common comment was, I feel fat. And I say, uh, <laughs> fat is not, not only not a feeling, uh, but it's not an emotion either. And it's mm. not actually a core emotive on, on top of that. And so uh, the, the way this whole awoken far left nonsense uh, uh, gets me is, is because as soon as you resent someone not co-signing your identity, it means you're all, if you resent the lack of it, it means you're already neurotically overattached to something that is not real. I know. You, yeah. You, you can't be resentful unless you're already overattached to an unreality. And this is like so, when I see things in the media that's like, um, you know, like, do you identify as black or no, I don't identify as black. And like, oh, I identify as a woman. It's like, there's this, every time I see it, I, I I just I wince like on a soul level in a way because it's like they don't see that having any kind of noun identity is neurotic from the very beginning. Right. <laughs> all the way down to the essence. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. like it's such an incredibly high bar. They're oh. arguing about which kind of identity oh. they want or should have without wholesale seeing like, why do you need an identity in the first place? Just be you. Yes. Right. Why does it have to have a bunch of noun clothing on it? You know, and it's like they're so far from being able to explore those kinds of realms. Um, yeah, so that's why they're fighting for their identities. Yeah. They, they're fighting for something that, that there's neurotically unhealed in them. Yeah. It's like, I'm exactly the same. You want to, you want to cross dress fine. You want to identify as, as, as a weasel instead of a human being fine, but I don't have to co-sign it with you. And if you expect me to, you don't know what re real relationality entails. Uh, so I support you, uh, LGBTQ plus uh, whatever plus it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, be, have at it, rainbow forever. That's great. Just don't expect me to support your self image. And that's the category yeah. I want to put it under. These are not real identities, as you just said. They're self images yeah. about your identity, and I always, I always laugh when I first studied Freud. You know, id entity. You know, identity mm. is id entity. Yeah. Uh, really interesting in English how that that shakes out. But you, you only have a self image of your identi identity uh, if if you require others to co-sign it. You you want them please sign my neurotic self-image, um, mm -hmm. please co-sign it because I, I don't have it strong enough in me. 
so, this is where it the this is sort of the the yin yang where we're at the in the center of personhood our sagehood and sainthood which would makes ebe one of the many ways in which ebe is markedly different from other forms of therapy because there's this there's always this spiritual sort of uh shoot open mm -hmm. that says like mm -hmm. yes you're healing yourself but the self ultimately is a verb mm -hmm. A healthy self doesn't need an identity. They're too busy right. being who they are. Yes. Whereas exactly. like every eighth grade health class, every social worker, <laughs> every mainstream psychologist was like, well, of course you need a healthy, strong self-image and a, um, you know, an identity that's comfortable for you. And we would go, well, why do you need that? Well, <laughs> why on earth do you need that? Um, if you're just being you, why do you need to be seen any particular way? Why do you need to secondarily reflect back at yourself? Um, uh, and we see that all as the, the realm of the protector. And that's a really marked difference between EBE and yes. every other form that I know. Transpersonal psychology would agree with that. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some, and, there's some overlap and, there. And Buddhistic mm -hmm. psychology would agree with that too. The, the sagely yeah. influenced ones, but that's important, I think, to bring up here. Well, let's just, uh, let's put a close to that uh, far left awoken self-image based nonsense. Uh, Brie and I were agape literally agape, uh, watching a recent documentary, real people who, teachers, uh, who, or, who, when a, 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 the one we saw, a young girl, a teenage girl, was identifying as a man, the teachers um, uh, required all the kids in the class to uh, co-sign the pronouns, and when the, a concerned mother said, wait a minute, she's only 14 years old uh, and she's got some issues. Uh, and some of my parenting was screwy and I could see why she wouldn't want to be a girl. Um, but uh, wait a minute, um, uh, I, I'm still calling her a she. I, you can't make me call her a she. The teachers uh, reported that to the state whatever local administrative legal thing is and this woman long story probably made child short protective services probably child protective services called the mother's refusal to go along with the pronoun thing abuse oh my god and and the child was taken away from the mother oh my god now th this is where the va the vapidity uh, and shallowness and 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 uh, a depth of emotional damage that goes unreadable by people in themselves comes to such a head where it's like a a, a pimple a pushing a pushing out mm -hmm. pus. It's mm -hmm. a we're so far afield of reality in this that a, 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 um, not only was a mother the child taken away, but a teacher in the school system who wouldn't go along with the the assertion of the pronoun uses uh was was fired uh for not for not going along with this far left awoken situation because that so, was violence because that's violence that, it's, right it's mispronouncing right yeah it's abuse oh, it's 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 violence against the sacredness yeah. of how the, the child is identifying when and you, you try on how many how many teenagers, ourselves included, were we trying on 
identities. And I wrote a blog just a couple of weeks ago called uh, What I Learned from Kissing Men that was about uh, my experimentation with bisexuality and how it how I realized mm-hmm. it was a depression medication I because it, yeah. it gave me meaning. It was like, oh, there's something in me I didn't know was there. And it made life interesting yeah. for a year or right. so. And it was um, it was useful. And I'm glad I did it. And um, I'm also glad I had a couple of friends who were like, really, are you sure? I'm not uh, I don't really get that about you. And, you know, it was it ran its course, but um, that would go in a completely different way today. And if that happened when I was much younger and I thought I, did you know health insurance companies cover like uh, gender reassignment type stuff, hormone blockers for kids? They cover this, that. This, this was part of the documentary yeah, that it's a, that it's a, 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 what do they call it? A whole, um, not a gaggle, <laughs> a, a whole thing now that, that it's, it's co-signed by cosmetic surgeons they're driving this so they get more money for the the surgeries. I I believe it. Yeah. It it was all linked up and this is not Mm -hmm. conspiratorial. This is right out in the open. Yes. It's business. Hey, if a a pharmaceutical company goes, Hey, we have these things called hormone blockers now and the 20% or something of, uh, you know, 12 to 25 year olds instead of are now, you know, looking at uh, LGBTQ, et cetera, instead of 2% like it was, they yeah. see dollar signs. They have a product yeah, they can so. sell to this, and they're all that they're just doing their they're doing fiduciary responsibilities, exploring new markets. Yes, that's all. Then that's driving it so much uh, the the profit motive here. So the the, the bottom line here uh, will come right forward here with the difference in emotivity and feelings with this and self image is that the the, the there was a girl uh, in the documentary uh, and a boy that that were hormone blocked early at 12, 13, 14, and it completely disrupts the hormonal system for life, for life. So they changed their minds when they were 17 or 18 and trying to get back to their original gender hormonal system in their body has already been so screwed up, they can't get back. I mean, this is just, so again, we really need to say Everyone, we support every LGBTQ variation there is out there. It's your right to do whatever you feel you need to do until you don't feel that way anymore. We don't, we support all the rainbow here. We just, we we go one step deeper, several steps deeper. We don't support your requirement that we have to go along with it. We, we care about you enough to say, have at it, you, whatever. I'll even call you by your your new female name, Joe, sure. if you want to be called, I'll, I'll call you the name, but don't, don't tell me I'm being abusive to you. If I don't call you a she, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, um, it's, there's limits to that compassion because it's ba- your requirement is based on a neurotic need for others to confirm something that you're not sure about yeah someone who's sure about it wouldn't need yeah. pronouns pronunciation uh yeah they, nice. they wouldn't need it oh, that's good and they wouldn't um, need it. on that subject you know i don't know whatever the number of hours of therapy that are required for um g- before yeah. gender reassignment surgery or hormone blockers or whatever i'm sure yeah. sure there's a set number of hours that somebody decided yes. but yeah. the parameters of those yes. hours would only yes. ever specify that yes. you discuss energetic feelings. Yes, if, that's it. If mm-hmm. there were some rubric to get to the core emotion underneath it, 
we would right. bet a whole lot of money on there'd be a whole lot less surgeries. Not not none, but yes. a whole lot less because it would you'd get to what was really going on. And and so the tragedy is in in, uh, in my assessment with my third eye and fourth chakra uh, as developed as they are, I, I my assessment is the percentage of gender confused people has never changed. And it has only been socially greased, literally, mm -hmm. uh, for these numbers to inflate because we're giving people the right to use feeling-based, not, emo not emotional yeah. or core emotive-based decisions that will affect them the rest of their life if they get interventional uh, therapies for yeah. it, the drugs and drugs. Yeah. So it's it's our compassion is, oh, please slow down, slow down here. Uh, this is, is damaging to our cultural ethos uh, on the far left as the MAGA people are on the far right. So when yeah. people say, where is identity fall between red and blue? And we just say purple. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we're purple. Some other um, yes. Uh, the do it just depends on the domain. Yeah. There are some times where we fall on the reddish end of the spectrum, sometimes on the bluish end. But we don't, we're not politicized that way because we're offering a whole other way of looking at human consciousness than our way down line expressions of human consciousness. Yeah. And, and just in case you think it's like we think that's cool, um, I really don't like, um, well, I wonder if I don't like it. There's something quite uncomfortable about not fitting in either one of those boxes. Like I think of gun control, for example. Like, oh, yeah. Sure. I really like in Oregon, I really don't, when I live there, I really don't think you should be able to buy a gun with no waiting period on a credit card. Just, yeah. I did that once. Like they, I had to wait like 30 minutes for them to run a background check. Yeah, And then too. I bought with, with a credit card uh -huh. and I was like, boy, I didn't even have to really have the money. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't have to mean, wait yeah. at least a day. I want to, you know, like right. the Homer Simpson line of uh, three days, but I'm angry now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> God. And then oh, on the other yes. side, here oh. in Hawaii, which is a very liberal state, um, you there's a there's a magazine limit on pistols of ten rounds, which I think is absurd. Um, and mm -hmm. the waiting period, I think, is it's at least three. I think it's no, I think it's two weeks, and yeah. I think two weeks yeah. is excessive. Yes. Um, so I don't look. Fit look at all the subdomains. We we can't be categorized. At different domains, there's different uh, ways of looking at. Yeah. It. Oh, and silencers, suppressors, noise suppressors are not allowed on weapons, which pisses me off because I want to be able to shoot the feral chickens in my yard at 7 a.m. Uh -huh. I actually uh -huh. shot one this morning, <laughs> with a little 10-22 rifle, without having to worry about waking up neighbors. Right. Why can't I have a suppressor? It's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't even mail one to the state. All right. Anyway, so look, rabbit hole. What what's so wonderful uh, the the rabbit holeization uh, of uh, of these podcasts are are and flow directly are are indicative of how everything is connected to everything else in identity that we could start at any topic and it will go to ten other topics effortlessly because it's a W H holeful paradigm that isn't exclusivating anything exclusivizing anything there's an and to everything and they co-sign the wholeness of identity in trial after trial domain after domain year after year decade after decade mm. so um we know what we're talking about today is our hearts are not open as much as you think so 
when someone demands, uh, you, if you have genetical um, uh, inheritances of, of, uh, of uh, uh, um, testosterone uh, over uh, um, estrogen, and uh, you want to be called uh, a woman and, and everyone else call you that, you're coming not out of an open heart. It feels like it's heartful to support you. And it feels like to you, you're, it's heartful to ask people to, to co-sign your self-image. Yeah. But it actually isn't. Because there's no, as we said a dozen times this podcast, there's no discrimination between essence as emotivity form as emotion, discrete emotions and feelings as, um, as the uh, expression. Without that, we're lost in a sea of feelings and entitlement to feelings, yeah. all based on wound based self images, like you said, Joseph said a few moments ago, an emotive mature person doesn't have a self image. Because they're too busy being their authentic self. And that what that we mean by authenticity is a completely different thing that how the word is used out there. So There's one more thing I wanted to add to this. Um, we've talked a lot about well, we've been talking almost exclusively about um, the love in the domain of personhood, but um, especially related to the I think it was the last episode we did about um, that was the sainthood one or maybe the one before. Anyway, the one before. Um, there's a there's a love from God, love from and with God as well, and um, that's another way in which our hearts are closed, and in both yes. the personal way and also in the saintly way. If yes. we were to flip a switch for the average person and cause their heart to be significantly more open, fifty percent more open, it would incapac incapacitate that person on the spot. That's yes. because it, it requires a slow, gradual increasing of capacity for love. Um, yes. it, it takes time. And this is why there yeah. are so many stories in different scriptures, certainly in the Old Testament, you know, this idea of being driven to your knees by the love of God. Yes. Because actually feeling a flush of that, it's like going from, you know, a uh, the water pressure of your tap water to a fire hose and those kinds of yeah. openings that that's actually part of the what the human experience is supposed to be. Um, so in EBE, it is a, it's a gradual opening. And in, yes. for short periods of time, it typically like um, when you when your heart opens to the next level, um, it's quite uncomfortable and takes some getting used to. Uh, and then that normalizes them. There's another step and, and so on. Yeah, I'm reminded uh, two things here, Joseph, uh, we, uh, as to complete this is, uh, William Defoe's Jesus in that 1980s movie, um, Passion. Uh, the pa huh? Yeah, the Passion. That was Defoe, wasn't it? No, that that was Mel Gibson's Catholic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the other one um, uh, with William Defoe. Anyway, he falls on the ground in one scene, holding his head. God, stop loving me! You're killing me! You're killing me! Uh, yeah. In in that way, and and also Last Temptation of Christ. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Um, I love that film. Uh, but the uh, and the other was uh, at an early on back in the day when a psychiatrist is in the audience when I was giving a short talk, and he said, "Let me get this straight. You are consciously helping people decompensate, right?" I said, mm -hmm. "Absolutely." And he said, "You're going to you you no one will be able to handle that. They've got they they they've, they've I agree. They've been maladaptive." 
Um, but you're 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 wanting them to de deconstruct their adaptations. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, smart psychiatrist, and I said absolutely. He said this is dangerous. You're going to wind up people suing you, and wind up people in in uh, exactly as you say in mental institutions. That way, yeah. you, you won't be they won't be able to handle it. And I said no. The it's not my experience because we do it gradually and with respect. We don't rip off the protector's armor overnight. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no way to do that. Even if we could, we wouldn't do it. But there is no way to do it. it. Has to be slowly deconstructed over time, and each new level requires some digestion time. Mm -hmm. That's what you just said. Mm -hmm. So all of these topics today all relate to our picture that uh, what we call opening your heart is a very different thing than what you probably think it would be given your conditioning out there in psychiatry, philosophics, philosophy, or spiritual land. You know, but I've heard you tell that story a few times and I tell it myself about that, uh, that psychiatrist or, or whatever therapist. And what ha hasn't occurred to me before is you're the one who already had experience doing that with yourself and other people. Yes. And he didn't. Oh yeah, right. So, no. so he's right. so where does he get off saying that's dangerous? This is what's going to happen. If there, I can't think of a better um, sort of uh, gestalt of what the protector is. Like that's yes, it. The protector exactly. says, "I know I have no evidence, no experience, and no model for what I what is going to happen. But here's what I'm afraid is going to happen, and why I don't want to do it." <laughs> it's like that's right. Yeah, uh, and and. I, I didn't have the, the uh, chops to say this to him then, but um, really I, I could have said to him, I would have asked him the next question. So would you agree with your psychiatric, psychiatric premises that you're helping people make the best uh, 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 case out of their maladaptive compensations? Yeah. And I guarantee he would have said yes to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there, the 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 um, prosecution rests. Um, yeah. Then at least we can agree. Yeah, you're helping people compensate better. You're treating symptoms and yeah. not actually healing. And for many people, that's exactly what they need this life, and that's fine. Exactly. Sure. And but that's fine. but don't say. Don't tell me. Yeah. Don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. We're not going to tell you. You can't do that. That's exactly appropriate for some people, and for many people, we're saying that's not enough for them, and they want to tear it all down. And if that scares you, then you should look at why you're so scared, scared by that. Exactly. Or take a pill. Maybe you won't feel it as much. So, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> we, we, we will pharmacologize uh, you. Nice. So nice. in this sense, I hope, I hope uh, at the end of this podcast, anyone who's listened, I hope you can feel our heart in, uh, in how we say that most people's hearts are not open. It's not a judgment uh, as much as it is a invitation to consider yeah. different layers of that whole and dynamic. It's you know, of course, there's all the hallmark cards and the um, you know cultural um, conditioning about how we should have an open heart and and all of that. It's really difficult and requires a lot of courage to live with an open heart. It it, it really is. It's um, it's been reduced to you know, this, the hallmark sort of um, crappy poetry and the gift of giving type thing. And um, it's really, really difficult. And it takes years of, um, of uh, training and deconstruction that's just as rigorous as the 
um, sagehood path or sainthood path and um, to discover that living with an open heart won't kill you. <laughs> That's it, but, isn't it? But uh, never really knowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful way to, to complete. They're very exactly right. It won't kill you, but it might feel like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like the terror of not being in sagehood and letting the divine through you in sainthood. It feels like it's going to kill you. That's how you know it's working. And um, that's not for everybody. No, it isn't. So and we don't claim it is. So have at it, whatever works for you. And here's our way and see if it resonates or doesn't. All right. Thank you, Stace. Uh, so next time you want to do uh, essence, form, and expression, unless something arises. Let's, because that is the triad, the trinity of all metaphysics. Uh, yeah. Without it, you can, you're going to get lost in solipsistic uh, circling uh, domain reductionism and projections. <laughs> yeah. And you definitely don't want that. <laughs> okay. I'll look forward, look forward to that next time. Um, and uh, thanks for listening to our 81st episode. I think that's what it is. And uh, as a friend of mine recently said, happy all the days, however you're um, celebrating them. May they be real for you. <laughs> Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey. <laughs>